We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. Glad to be answering another one of our listener questions today. Had a lady write in and said that they were studying and doing some different things, and discussion came up about the book of Enoch. And she said she didn't know a lot about it and wondered if we might mind discussing it. So, I guess first off, what is the book of Enoch? Well, probably the reason the study came up is if you turn to the book of Jude. Okay. Jude and Revelation. Just Jude. Just Jude. <laughs> Jude, if, which verse? And if you'll look at verse 14. Mm -hmm. It says, It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way <clears throat> and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Okay, now if you'll, if you'll move your coffee and, uh -huh. and read First um, Enoch 1 verse 9 right there. Okay, it says, And behold, he cometh with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to destroy all the ungodly and to convict all the flesh of all the works of their ungodliness which they have ungodly committed. And all right, there you go. So, yeah. so it's quite obvious that Jude, who wrote in the first century, is mm -hmm. quoting from the book of Enoch right okay. here. All right, so this is why the this discussion comes up, yeah. at least in part. Okay. So it's referenced in a New Testament book. It is. And, okay. and the, um, the book of Enoch is part of a, a group of uh, Jewish writings that's actually called the Pseudepigrapha. Mm. It's not part of that book you have over there, it's which is called the Apocrypha. Apocrypha. And these are two separate collections of Jewish writings that were written between the time of the Old Testament mm. and the New Testament. <clears throat> okay. And... They were never accepted as biblical, as canonical by the Jews because the Jews knew them to not have been written by um, the prophets of God in the Old Testament. Okay. This, this writer who writes the Jewish book of Enoch mm -hmm. calls himself Enoch the seventh from Adam. Yeah. But he is not the Enoch that lived back in the time of mm. Adam. He is simply a Jewish writer writing under a pen name like Mark Twain and yeah. Samuel Clemens. You know, Samuel Clemens was the real guy's name, right? but he wrote under a pen name, Mark Twain. See? Okay, so, so first off, the Pseudepigrapha and the Apocrypha are Old Testament, intertestamental sort of time period. They're, they're intertestamental. They, okay. they were written mainly from the oldest of them, maybe around 250, 300 B.C., 
the youngest of them up near the close of the first century BC. Okay. And then, so they're intertestamental and could we call them like theological writings? Yeah, they're religious writings of the Jews. But they're not considered inspired of God. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. And um, the other thing might be that people will bring up as far as Jude, he said Enoch prophesied. Right. And because Jude is talking about something that's going to happen, the second coming of Christ and vengeance upon the ungodly, mm -hmm. he uh, says he prophesied because he told something that's actually true, mm. you know. Okay. So he quotes a an uninspired writing to um, state a truth. Now, why does he do that? Because all of the Jewish people were familiar with the book of Enoch, mm. like they were familiar with the books of First Maccabees, Second Maccabees, right. and the Apocalypse of Baruch, and those other books that you have over there, Tobit, Judith, yep. all those books that you have in the Apocrypha, and there are many others that are in the Pseudepigrapha. So this yeah. was familiar Jewish religious literature in the time of Jesus. Hmm. So the same way there might be a popular book by, you know, like take for instance one of C.S. Lewis's books, sure. like The Problem of Pain. Right. You'll hear people quote that and they know it a lot of times, but it's not considered part of the Bible. That's exactly right, and it's a good, it's a good um, illustration to show uh, what's actually going on there. So, okay. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid of the apocryphal and pseudepigraphical books, these Jewish books. They're, they're, they really tell us what the Jews were thinking about in the time before Jesus. Hmm. Uh, they're not, however, books of Scripture. Now, one other great quote, and, and we can put this on the screen for our readers, mm -hmm. is Josephus, who is a first century Jewish writer himself. Right. He describes the Jewish Bible, the Hebrew Bible, mm -hmm. And he actually talks about these books okay. and why they are not in the Jewish Bible. Okay. And he was writing at what time period? First century. First century. AD. Okay. All right. Time, time when Paul was living and all those kind of people. Yeah. All right. So, so Josephus in Against Apian, that's the title of Josephus' book, hmm. book one, section eight. Okay. Okay. He says... From Arctic Xerxes, which is about 465 B.C., yeah. to our own time, which is 1st century A.D., mm -hmm. the records have been written in the Apocrypha and Pseudepigrapha, okay. but they have not been deemed worthy of equal credit to the earlier writings because of the failure of the succession of the prophets. So since there were no more universally recognized prophets, yeah. they did not accept these books as Holy Scripture. Gotcha. But nobody questioned that Moses was a prophet or that Samuel was a prophet. Yeah. And all of the people recognized him, immediately accepted what they wrote. There were no prophets like that mm. in that time, and that's why there were no other books added. Now, later on... <clears throat> if we go to the 3rd or 4th century A.D., mm -hmm. in early, early Catholicism, some of these Jewish books were accepted by early Catholicism into the Bible, okay. but not by the Jewish people ever, hmm. and they don't appear in any Hebrew Bible ever. So, so I guess a common thing that people may worry about, because most people have never read any of this or are familiar with it, 
is it that there's like heretical teachings in here or things uh, that would... there's some strange ideas like there are in every other thing but there's all kinds of really good moral treatises it gives you a really good picture of what the jews thought about the afterlife mm. they have a lot of things to say about angels as does the book of enoch you know yeah and uh, uh some of that is verified in scripture some of it's not so okay. it's like any other book you have to uh, pick out the meat and and I mean, pick out the bones and yeah. chew up the meat. Yeah. Okay. So it was it was something that had worth and value. Still does great historical value, great worth in understanding the thought process of the Jews mm. and uh, a lot of other things. But it's but again, it's going back to somebody later on didn't decide. Oh, these aren't worthy. It was common acceptance among the great teachers and the leaders. Yeah, and the all Jewish that people for, themselves who whose Old Testament. You know, they are the ones that wrote the Hebrew Bible. They're prophets. They never gave it a second thought of being in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, one interesting thing I'll throw in here real quick, and I want to move on to these, okay. is, is that um, uh, in the Apocrypha, there's the book of First Maccabees. Right. Which uh, is the story of Simon and Judas Maccabeus and the Jewish revolt in the time of the Ptolemies, the, the Greek kings. Mm. Uh, this is before the time of the Roman Empire. Yeah. I think roughly 165, 170 B.C., something like that, maybe mm. around that neighborhood. And um, in the book of 1 Maccabees, yeah. three different times, it talks about the fact that there were no prophets in Israel, that there hadn't been any prophets in Israel for a long, long time, yeah. and they were hoping someday there would be more prophets in Israel, hmm. which is exactly the same thing that Josephus said right. in a more succinct way. So they're... They're basically stating, because Maccabees, if I understand it, it's basically a historical account of mm -hmm. what was going on. And yep. so they're saying that in that day and time, they recognized this was not scripture. This was their retelling. And yeah, they, they saw the, the, the Maccabee uh, brothers as courageous Jews who dared to rise up against the Greek offenses against Judaism and the temple. Mm. And they showed great, <clears throat> great courage in the face of opposition sort of like David did with Goliath and some yeah. of those old... That's that's what the book of Maccabees is about. Okay. So that gives us a good insight to these things. What's what's this third book you got here? Okay, th this third book is uh, the Nag Hammadi Library. And many of our uh, readers, uh, or our listeners, I guess, would um, hear on the Geographic Channel and Discovery Channel and those other things about so-called lost gospels. Yes. And lost New Testament books, you know, that we really should have in the New Testament. Okay. So we've moved past <clears throat> intertestamental to post-New Testament writings. Right. But a lot of people hear the word apocryphal uh -huh. in relationship to these. Some some people will talk about New Testament apocrypha. Yeah. And other people out there that listen, they don't make a distinction between these Jewish writings that are between the Old and New Testament and to these later writings that some people think ought to be included in the New Testament. Okay. These are the ones we're withholding because they have some secret truth that yeah. we're afraid of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so let me explain what the Nag Hammadi Library is. You've heard about the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, uh, the uh, uh, Protevangelion of James, you know, some of these other books that that are supposedly the lost gospels. These are part of a, a group of Coptic, that's Egyptian writings that were found in Egypt at a place called Nag Hammadi. 
mm. I think 1948 or so. Okay. And um, these were never written in Greek. They were uh, written in Coptic. They were, um, they were, Coptic is the, the language of Egypt. It used to be hieroglyphics and it evolved mm. into Coptic, et cetera. Yeah. So um, anyway, they were written in Coptic and they are weird as all get out. Uh, they, <laughs> is that the scientific technical term? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And really the greatest thing a person could do to, to, um, to discover how weird they are is just to get a copy of the, uh, the Nag Hammadi library and start reading them. And you will think that whoever wrote this was smoking something now, besides tobacco. <laughs> is it? <laughs> no, seriously. To, yeah. They're, is it because they're more mystical in nature? No, or? they're instead of you read the gospels, there's a narrative, there's something going on. There's clear application. These are like random thoughts that just come out and they're just going every which direction. And it's like, there's no cohesiveness to it whatsoever. Mm, okay. Uh, they, uh, they, they are very much in the same vein as when you read the church fathers in the second, third century, and they're arguing against great Gnostic teachers like Valentinus and Basilides, mm -hmm. who had these weird, weird ideas like there was a, a creator of the world who was a wicked, evil God, and and that um, man can't help all the evil things he does, so you can have a relationship with God and do all the evil you want to, and God could never become flesh. And, yeah, you things know, that are clearly taught against out of this here. This is what's in here, okay? Uh, okay? These are clearly sort of a mixture of paganism, Gnosticism, with some Christian words thrown in there. Mm. They're so dramatically different from anything you read in there. And also, the early church, the reason they never uh, accepted them is because they knew the apostles of Christ didn't write them. Right. And they knew they were totally against what the apostles said. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for example, the big thing that, what was the name of the guy that wrote the... Um, oh, are you talking about the Vinci, Vinci Code? Code? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The Gospel of Philip in here uh, talks about uh, Mary Magdalene, and, and she's the disciple whom Jesus loved, and... The other disciples were upset because Jesus was always kissing her on the mouth, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah. those two had a thing going. And then holy, you know, out of yeah. this spins the theory that Jesus they had, had babies and, and kids yeah. and descendants and all that. That's that's all this weird stuff that comes out of their pagan mentality that's in the Gospel of Philip. Mm -hmm. Okay. has nothing to do with what the New Testament teaches. It's diametrically different than what the New Testament teaches. Yeah, and so this isn't one of these things that it was written at about the same time, and there was a big argument about Third whether... Third to fourth century. Yeah, so much later writings. Not no, Obviously not written by the apostles. And many of the teachings in obvious opposition to things that we find in the New Testament. Exactly. Yeah. So lost gospels, etc., all that drama that they try to give you that there's there's no firm basis to this comes from the the nag nag hamadi h a m m a d i library that was found in egypt and the big promoter is james robinson hmm. and some others but uh, those that don't believe in biblical inspiration and everything uh, they try to spin all kinds of theories about this stuff there's yeah. no hard evidence to back up those theories because it's for that sort of element, if you go, well, God didn't directly inspire it. These were just great Christian writings. Then it's really easy to grab this other thing and go, well, that was a Christian writing too, and bring it alongside. No, this is this is a pagan Gnostic writing with a little bit of Christian terminology thrown in there. 
And just because, well, and we'll go back. This was called an apocryphal, but that's different than the apocrypha. Yeah, this is later writings that some people much, much later, like in modern times, try to say really should have been in the New Testament. Hmm. Okay. So going back through, we have the apocrypha and the pseudepigrapha. Jewish writings between the New, Old Testament and the New Testament. And the non-Hamadi <clears throat> apocryphal writings. Those are pagan slash Gnostic writings from after the time of the New Testament. Okay. So hopefully that gives you some terminology. I know, especially in the Church of Christ, we barely even mention that these exist, let alone understand what well, they are. Well, we need are. to because we're seeing TV shows about them all the time, and we need to let people know what they are. Yeah. You should be more afraid of these. These can get you way off track. Of course, you have to figure out what in the world they're trying to say. <laughs> these you shouldn't be afraid of, but they're not Bible. They're, yeah. they're Jewish thinking in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Again, think of them if you were reading any other Christian writer. Right. There'd be good things in it. There'd be things to be aware of that it was someone's personal thoughts, feelings, interpretations. Yeah, the book of Tobit, the book of Judith, great moral treatises, really uplifting. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like in here, there's an additional psalm that's written uh, supposedly from David's perspective when he's going into battle against Goliath. It's a great little poem, basically, but yeah, it's but not... No, no indication that it really came from David. Right. Yeah. So it's so there's little things like that. They have nice theological thoughts and historical bits of evidence, but it's not the same as reading directly from the prophets of God. That's right. Now, if a biblical writer like like in the book of Acts in Acts 17, Luke's writing about Paul's speech and Paul quotes Menander the poet. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not that Menander was inspired, but it's that the inspired Paul is trying to make a point to pagan people, and he quotes one of their poets that says the yeah. same thing. Yeah, okay. it's something people would have been familiar with, and so he's trying to draw a... He's finding common ground yeah. and making his point. Here. It'd be the same way if we were drawing out a kind of pop culture parallel in a sermon. We're not saying that that pop piece of pop culture is now elevated to Scripture, but we're going, hey, you know about this. Who would you want to quote? Who would I quote? Mm -hmm. well, I might have quoted Britney Spears in a Bible class on Sunday. Okay. So I wouldn't call her scripture. And by would any you means. want to say that, that all of us are knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door? Or what would you want to That's say? That's not Britney Spears. I but, know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but we can pull some things from places. Okay. So that's kind of what they were doing then. So say it to us, Jed. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll leave the singing to you. No. Okay. <laughs> But hopefully that helps answer some questions, draws out some things, gives you some definitions and understanding of, of this stuff. You know, like he said, don't be afraid of them, but definitely know what's there. So thanks yep. for the question. Anything else? Yeah. Okay. We'll see y'all next time. <laughs> okay, bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.